AI people first in 2024? Will we embrace AI to actually empower people? Well, let's twist this AI world from data-driven to human-driven. It's not just about computers, codes, or data. It's about us, the people. How about we put humans at the heart and soul of AI? Forget me. I'm not a data scientist, but William Adams is. And he's going to share with you how empathy, desire, and humanity will be powering AI as much as ChatGPT. Take a listen. We have to make sure that the AI, the data that's collected, the systems that are created have words that us as developers are not used to. Things like empathy. Um, things like desire, things like humanity. And this is why um, we're going to get into a, a new level of, um, quote, diversity. <laughs> Whereas in the past, we've been worried about things like, ah, there's not enough women up in here. There's not enough black people. Yeah, it's like, forget all that. Yeah. If you don't have enough philosophers, religious leaders, you know, sociologists, psychologists, these are the people that need to be in the mix when we're talking about developing AI systems. I mean, just imagine you're creating a system that's going to essentially represent or proxy humanity. And there's no humanness in the process. There's just a bunch of engineers. Well, how's that gonna turn out, <laughs> right? right? All the pathologies that us engineers have are, are gonna be reflected in these systems. So it's very important, and this is what I mean by the, the humanity part, is it's very important that both in the data we feed the systems, the way we tune them, fine-tune them, and the goals we set out for them have to have humanity at the center, right? If you have um, goals that are purely optimized for profit, for example, then you end up with systems that might look at the humans and go, it's more profitable if we don't feed them, right? <laughs> well, yes, but as humanity, we actually want to feed these people who are, you know, living in the desert or whatever, under whatever circumstance, right? right. You have to imbue the system with what we think are humane desires. Now, that's a challenge because I'm not sure we as humanity have come to um, shared understandings of what humanity is, right? Yeah. We're hyper-competitive. That's our nature. That's how we've survived this long. Um, so it forces us to come to grips with our humanity because if we don't, we will be wiped out because the competing factions will create systems that are optimized for other things, not the preservation of humanity. And we'll just be wiped out, you know. And it doesn't even have to be a, a Terminator sort of the robots get guns and kill us all. It can just be benign neglect, right? Oops, the system didn't build a, a water source for you 10,000 people over there, you know. Oops, we didn't optimize for you people over there getting educated, so you're not. You know, it's just death by a thousand cuts where 200 years from now we'll look back and say, how come there's only 10 of us? <laughs> love how William puts that. We need to use AI not just from a technology, and this always happens. When technology comes, we're like, humans are wiped out, and there's this ability to not even value who humans are. I even read a quote attributed to Elon Musk that said, we're either two, two categories of people in AI. 
humanists or extinctionists? If you don't believe me, I remember my interview with Jessica Maring when I asked her a warm-up question about what her favorite sound was. Now listen to what she says. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, my kids laughing. Like a genuine kids laugh. That's probably my favorite sound. Because like you can't replicate that. You could tell when a child's just, you know, <laughs> faking it. <laughs> when they're like, okay, mom, you're 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 funny. Mm-hmm. But then when it's that genuine kids laugh, oh, there's just nothing like it. Remember what she just said. Nothing could replicate her child's voice. This isn't about deep fakes. And this is about people who use AI. See, it's time in 2024 that we thought about how AI can serve us rather than how we serve it. It's about making sure it enhances our lives and bringing it back to people, which is what I'm going to be working on to show you how to actually use it. Because one thing I've noticed is everybody is shooting for the billion-dollar companies and the unicorns and the how people with 10,000 employees will use AI, which is amazing. But what's even more powerful is you. How one single person can use it. Are you up for the challenge? Because we're calling this shift AI people first. And the benefits is we prioritize human beings above data because actually, even in the technical end, the data-driven results were bad. There was a criminal justice program called COMPAS, C-O-M-P-A-S, that actually convicted and put more black people in jail than white because the data showed them that more black people were in jail than white, and it skewed it. It needed human beings to take a look and work with it. This is what AI is really about. We're going to shift to techies talking about ethics and best practices, which is great, but they're all driven by what's called AI first, which is how can we make efficiency, productivity? How can we make this? And honestly, do we need a human to do it? And at a big level, this makes sense, okay? We're not saying they're crazy. But when you go in saying, I want to basically use technology rather than people, that's a choice they just made. And I don't mind it, but that's the best choice. But what's funny is when you go in and you actually say, how can this help people first? What about the impacts it has on people? If you're going to replace their jobs, why don't we start doing things to train them, upskill them? That's what AI People First is about. It fosters an inclusive environment. So it's not just about techies. Like William said, we need psychologists, sociologists, religious leaders. We need all of us to harness the power of AI for our benefit, to balance data-driven solutions with human-centric perspectives. That's all we're talking about. It doesn't mean disregarding the importance of data or the advances in technology. Instead, it's about achieving balance. In fact, one of the funniest things that I've heard is about AI sentience, that AI is going to basically replace people, be as smart as us. And remember, from an engineer perspective, there are certain elements where this can be shown to be true. But from a human perspective, I mean, are you kidding me? Do you know how powerful all this we have way beyond us mimicking our brains, which is what AI is, we have so much more going on. It's not just about seeing or talking or listening or reading. Hey, this stuff's amazing with AI, okay? What it's really about is that recognizing how much more potential we have as humans. 
how we can move from an old, honestly, early 20th century industrial model of work where people were cogs in the machine to letting the machines do those rote tasks, those repeatable tasks that are labor intensive and frankly, wasting human beings time. How many of you at work have 20 to 40% of your job where it's just boring, where it's mundane, where it's not what you were put there to do? That's what AI is about. In fact, let's listen to Masood Alabash. When he asked me first about why I don't even think some people are sentient, food for thought, an odd idea, but how he actually, from an engineering perspective, defines why AI will not become sentient. Take a listen. Sentience, uh, whether AI is sentient or not. Why do you think that it's not sentient? Well, I question whether how much sentience all of us have because we're sometimes so removed from our experience as a human because we're doing a lot of the mundane things that to me, technology and, and art is all of human beings mimicking what we think we are. And so to put sentience into something, it doesn't include like empathy, uh, the incredible the way that you and I would be able to subconsciously, unconsciously just read body language and things like this. And it's really just being able to think in other words, it's brain, yeah. but it's not brain and heart. It's like there's a vagus yeah. nerve that connects the brain and heart that makes us an amazing thing, in my opinion. And I think that what's lacking is that, and, and in Harari's thing, I find, and I sort of agree with you on this, I find he doesn't have, I have a really deep, amazing faith in humanity. I think human beings are amazing. And we've been sort of, these tools are going to open us up yeah. to be able to do yeah. things that we're not going to be reducing our work to machines, which is the industrial yeah. age and even the technology age right. said, make right. this human a machine to organize and route this stuff. Everyone hates that part of the job. And now right. your platform, and it is a platform and not a tool yeah. with AI, right. is going to hopefully right. be able to get us out of that. I think that's going to be able to have this realized. And, and to, to the word of sentience, I don't think its purpose is to be sentient. Maybe it will, but I think that's a prediction I jokingly yeah. say the cult yeah. of singularity because some people are taking it as, and I don't think they're, I don't think enough of them are humanists. And I think well, that's what you know, comes they, from. I mean, you have a very interesting, uh, insightful angle. Okay. And it's, uh, I, I like uh, your, your angle. It, it, it makes me think, I got to really think about this for a while, <laughs> but I, you have, I mean, I'm, I'm still stuck on your first sentence that, that sometimes uh, some of us are not sentient. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a very interesting comment, but I tell you, I, I come at it from a, uh, from an engineering scientific angle, uh, you know, science scientifically informed. Um, okay. So I look at it as uh, uh Essentially, you know, everything is made up of uh, molecules. Molecules are made up are made up of atoms. You know, and and, and atoms, uh, when you look at them, at the just very uh, mm -hmm. um, even at the uh, you can break atoms into its components and the quartz, mm -hmm. but it, essentially the atoms they, they vibrate. Actually, <clears throat> they all have specific vibrations, um, and uh, you know, hydrogen has a particular vibration. Uh, oxygen has a particular. All, I equate them to notes on a piano. Yeah, and and when you combine them together, they create a harmonic. Like when you put an oxygen and two hydrogen together to make water, it's like a chord. <laughs> so you're playing a chord. Yeah. And these vibrations, to me, I mean, I have an intuition that uh, the actually consciousness and sentience um, 
is embedded in the substrate, for lack of a better word, uh, what we call space, or it could even be uh, something within space. Yeah. And these vibrations of, of these uh, um, atoms essentially um, invite or um, elicit a, a particular um, energy from mm-hmm. that substrate. Right. And because of the way they vibrate, the way they vibrate, they elicit a particular uh, harmonic or a particular chord, a particular sound from that, that substrate. And if you put uh, atoms together in, in a particular way, you know, it's almost like you equate it to music, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, you could, uh, if you have oxygen, hydrogen, carbon, and so we're made up of proteins. The proteins are a very complex number of, you know, all kinds of atoms, and they're all carbon-based. And uh, they're these huge molecules, and we're a collection of these uh, uh, molecules. And so you can envision humans as, as a big symphony being played yeah. that's being elicited from this the substrate. But there are all kinds of sounds and all kinds of instruments that are being played, almost like a, a, an amazing orchestra. It's like a Beethoven's Ninth playing. Okay, now imagine trying to play Beethoven's Ninth with um, I don't know a thousand, a million, a billion uh, flutists or flautists, uh, however way you would like to call yeah, it. Yeah. They can simulate it, but it's not Beethoven's Ninth. Okay, I mean the, the choir is missing, the <laughs> string section is missing. You know, it, you know it's not the same thing. Uh, they're not going to be able to create that rich sound. Mm-hmm. And similar to that, you know, we we, we uh, do all these uh, models and software technology, uh, whether it's neural net or AI, we call it, or uh, traditional automation, which is still like I mean, if I call that also artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence is is uh, to me, it's much broader. I mean, traditional programming is also artificial intelligence. Yeah. We didn't need to use neural nets to build a, ch- a chess program that beats most humans. Hmm. Um, so that's intelligent. Yeah. But uh, so for me, you know, uh, to try to put together lots of silicon and dope it in a particular way, which is how you make transistors, and you just have billions of them uh, there. Those, that's just one instrument. It's just one atom, and it vibrates in a particular way. You know? And so you're not going to be able to elicit that rich symphony from uh, the substrate that we're in, the cosmos that we're, we're the container that holds everything, right? Mm. So it's, it's going to be a one-dimensional sound. So that's my um, my uh, scientific slash philosophical way of looking at it and saying, I don't care what kind of model we come up with. And in fact, the neural nets are uh, uh, really the, the this is a copy of, of, of the brain, you know, because for a long time we built these machines, we built the computers and we, we were uh, doing all kinds of interesting things with them. We, we could even uh, write a program that played chess and beat most people, but we couldn't write a program to detect a cat in a photo. And, and we looked at human beings and say, you know, a two-year-old baby can do that. You know, it's just the, the, the like point at any cat, what's, what's the difference here? And we kind of started looking at the human brain and just uh, tried to model that in silicon, you know? So, you know, we looked, we looked at human brains and, and saw that, okay, you got these cells that are connected together in a kind of hierarchical fashion. Some intelligent people made some models about this and we replicated that in, in software and, and silicon and in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have enough computational power to really do anything interesting with it. 
fast forward, you know, uh, 2010, 15, it started taking off because memory became cheap and uh, competition uh, became much more available and uh, faster yeah. processors and actually special types of processors um, that uh, we call GPUs. And those are actually interesting. They, they kind of emerged from uh, uh, the... Uh, game market if, of, of all things uh, yeah. so when they became available and, and so all of a sudden now we, we the, the the main essential uh, 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 f- feed or the energy we needed to to build these systems was data actually and we ended up with ton of data after the internet so all these things converged and then allowed for the new AI to emerge and you can look at this as an evolutionary process and we humans we think that we're inventing things and we're making things you know, we're part of this evolutionary process. We're just following what's in front of our nose. You know, the 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 power, the energy, the love, the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, God, the cosmos yeah. is really creating, making its uh, creation, and it seems to have an intention, and it's taking it in a particular direction. And we humans are just playing our roles. You know, and if you're lucky, you're conscious, you're you're awake, you realize uh, how valuable and how precious life is and when you wake up. And, and that's your awareness, that's your consciousness where you, 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 are, you have gratitude for just being alive and being healthy and, uh, and for whatever you have. And, and so you're experiencing life uh, on this train, on this journey that, um, that you've become a participant uh, of because you won a lottery ticket uh, when you were born, right? Right, right, right? So that's the philosophical side. Wow, you, Masood. I mean, he shared so much in his interviews in our earlier pods. I did two episodes with him because Masood could totally be just diving into the engineering perspective, but that's also what's unique about him and his business, Omadeus. Because what's interesting is the AI first movement isn't anti people, but it's really about everything from product features to employee roles, see how AI can amplify data learning, predictive capabilities, a competitive edge. And again, no one's saying that's wrong, but what happens when it's AI first, you choose the technology and then later see the impact. You try to put up stuff, but you don't really think about how it may hurt people, how bias may come out. And all of this, to their credit, a lot of these companies are trying it, But when you start with technology first, your answer will often be to fulfill what you want, which is a technology-driven world, which is why so many people in the AI first movement, honestly, don't think a lot of people. It's like Yuval Harari's statement that you've heard in my earlier pods about eventually the lack of value of humanity. There's really a distinct lack of that. And and, these are points of view. My point of view is humanity should be served by AI technology. Because while AI first has its merits, the emphasis on data and technology overshadows the human element. And decisions will be made that prioritize efficiency and profit over human values, just like William Adams said earlier. So what we're talking about is it's triumph of AI people first. It's about cultivating trust. There's research where people do not trust it. They feel like they're gonna be replaced by AI for jobs. All of this stuff is coming out saying, we're basically going to replace you and fulfill some weird Terminator movie vision. And what's really interesting about William Adams' first piece in this pod is 
he talks about how benign neglect, how ignoring and not valuing people will really undermine the success of AI. And in my opinion, I totally agree with them. But the thing is, AI people first, we need to earn our place in the AI narrative. A world where AI doesn't rule us, but where we, the people, guide AI to build more equitable, inclusive, and honestly compassionate society. It's about valuing people and how technology can help us. And honestly, I'm not scared about it becoming sentient because as Masood says, there's so much going on beyond just how our brains work and the biology and seeing, hearing, listening. That doesn't make something sentient. What you have as a human being is an amazing computer, if you call it that, your brain, connected to your heart, connected to all these organs that are way smarter than AI, built over thousands of years. Let's not undervalue that. And it'll give us a safer, more ethical approach to doing AI. AI for social good is also a critical principle of the AI People First movement I'm starting in January, 2024. Using AI to address societal challenges like healthcare, education, and the environment. Not just how to make money for business and create another ad. This is really the value of this amazing tool. Let's leverage it and let's use these core principles to make AI people first a reality. So putting humanity at the center means ethical AI, human-centric design, and building trust-driven AI, not data-driven. And that trust comes from looking at the AI, watching it, having humans audit it. It's not perfect, and it never will be. It doesn't mean it doesn't do great things, but people just sort of set it, forget it. That's the crazy scenario. Watch, have it teach us how it works, and let it become this insanely powerful tool to make our lives better. Because when you do that, your intention will match. Because as AI continues transforming the world, if it serves humanity, then it's a better future. And that's a brighter future where AI is used to enhance human potential and positively impact our world, not just a select few enterprise businesses using it to maximize costs and honestly, in some cases, devaluing people. And that's the caution. People matter, you matter. And if you remember that, we're all of a sudden not gonna be afraid of it we might trust it because it's worked with us not to replace us. And a lot of that comes from bad engineering perspectives, not bad engineers, but the point of view and the idolization of technology. There's technology is great, but heck, when they created tractors in the farms, people were scared they'd be replaced and some people did, but it was brutally hard, bad work. And we didn't get scared of the tractors taking over the world well, that may be a simple analogy, together we can make this AI revolution, and it is a revolution, truly people-centric. My challenge this year to myself was to see if I could still be an AI optimist because there's way more pessimists. And I can tell you, through the first four months of doing this podcast, listening to you, I'm still an optimist. And I hope you are too, which is why I'm creating AI People First. Keep listening to this pod. Happy holidays and a best year in 2024. Even with these changes, remember there's something really good coming down the road as well. Let's not let those bad AI algorithms that teach us the end of the world and polarization and separation and you're right, I'm wrong, binary worlds. We can move beyond that. 
And that's part of the reason AI people first started, because just like those social media algorithms went bad when they optimized all the negative parts of humanity, that's what happens when you put technology first and not people first. Take care. See you in 2024.